hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Holy and gracious God, we thank you for the gifts that you have given us. And we thank you for the invitation, an invitation that we all have received, an invitation that we, we try to live, to love as you have loved us. So, God, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. Now, you all know that I wasn't an athlete in high school. I I was an athletic trainer, which is a fancy way of saying that I was the water boy. So I got to stand on the sideline on Fridays, and when players got hurt, I would help bring them off of the field. But I also got to watch a lot of practice. I got to watch how the coach was looking ahead at the opponent in front of us and and, and figure out a game plan for, for how we would attack that team. We were playing the uh, Derby High Panthers, a really strong 6A football team up in Kansas. They, they were always in the playoffs, and they were in our league, and they would always end up beating us. So our coach decided to do something different. A few weeks before, he saw a play that was done by uh, Barry Switzer and the Oklahoma Sooners called the Fumble Ruski. Anybody remember that play? Does that sound familiar to you? Well, well, Coach Bean, he decided that we were going to run the fumble. So we sat up several times in practice. Say we. They sat up several times in practice to, to lay the ball down so that the guard can come around, pick up the ball, and to run around the end. That was a risky play. That was a risk that our our coach decided to to make because he knew that we probably couldn't beat Derby on our own strength or our own power. Time for the game rolled around, and it's the fourth quarter, and we're down by three. And if I remember right, this was the only game that we won during the year, but we uh, ran around, and my friend Mike Carell, who was playing guard, he swung around behind the center. He picked up the ball, and he ran into... The end zone. It was awesome. It was because we decided to take a risk. And, and the coach decided to move forward with this play so that we could have the opportunity to win the game at the end. How's that for your Super Bowl analogy today, huh? We, as followers of Christ, as we've been talking about over the past four years, have received a grand invitation That invitation to to live life, that invitation to be a part and show up for for what God has in store for us, that invitation to relate to, to one another, but also to relate to those who we may not 
agree with, to understand how they live their lives so that we can be loving to them as Christ has loved us. Today we're going to talk about what I think is the most critical invitation that we receive. I think Charlie summed it up really well as he talked about an invitation to risk. That's one of the reasons why I like the TV show Shark Tank. I get myself suckered in and I watch that week after week because you see these entrepreneurs with, with these ideas that they have and they stand in front of four or five sharks and they, they pitch this idea hoping that somebody will, will see their vision. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. But see, as followers of Christ, we have an invitation to risk. And our scripture this morning talks about the risk that we take when we say yes to following a life of Christ. From Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26, Jesus said to his disciples, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me will find them. Why would people gain the whole world but lose their lives? What will people give in exchange for their lives? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Then we take a look at the disciples. They are our prime example of, of the invitation that Jesus extended to them. From Peter, James, John, and Andrew to Matthew. We, we see written in the Gospel of Matthew the invitation that they received from God. It wasn't like Jesus came up to them and grabbed them by the collar and said, let's go. No, he gave them a choice. To the fishermen, he said, come, follow me. And the scripture reads that at once they left their nets. To Matthew, as he's sitting at the table collecting taxes, he says, come, follow me. And scripture says that Matthew got up and followed Jesus. All of these stories give us a sense of immediacy. The fishermen didn't say, well, we need to make sure our nets are nice and tidy, and we need to make sure we have somebody to, to follow along and take care of tomorrow's business. No, they left immediately to follow Jesus. We don't hear about Matthew taking time to, to put away the money in a safe or, or to get some, another tax collector to come in and take over. No, it said that he left, at, he got up, and he followed Jesus. <clears throat> See, they knew that through following Christ, they were, they were in store for this new life. They were in store for this opportunity to experience God in a way that God has never been experienced 
before. And my friends, God gives us that invitation even today to to put all of our stuff aside and follow him. Following Jesus can be risky. And Jesus talked about this in several of his parables. One of his most poignant parables about risking was from Matthew 25, 14 through 30. He talks about a man who was leaving. So he gathers up three of his servants and he gives them very valuable coins. To one, he gives ten coins. To another, he gives five. And to the third, he gives one. Immediately, the one with ten coins and the one with five coins, they they started to invest them. And they started to put what the master gave them to work. But the one who had just one coin... He went out and he buried it because he was afraid of of losing this gift that the master gave him. So the master returns from his trip. And when he returns from the trip, he calls the three servants together. And the first servant that he gave ten coins to was celebrating because he had ten more to give back to the master. And the one that he gave five to, he celebrated because he had more to give back to his master. And the one who only had one coin, I bet you he was grinning from ear to ear. Because he knew that nothing could have happened to his coin because he had it buried. He, he kept it to himself. But he was surprised when the master looked at him and said, You know how I am, that I reap where I don't sow, that I gather where others don't gather. And you just took the gift that I gave you and buried it. So he gave what he that one servant had. He gave it to the one who had ten. I think we justify what the third servant did by talking about calculated risk. It's easy to make calculated risk in our lives, isn't it? Well, if I do this, then maybe this will happen. So I'm not going to quite risk my life or risk what I have to, to move forward. But if our eyes are on Jesus, and if we are listening to what God is calling us to do, our only answer is to move forward to be faithful to the gifts that God has given us and share those gifts for others. I'll admit, sometimes I want to be like that third servant. And I just want to take what I have and just hold on to it so tightly because I don't want to lose it. But as Jesus says in our parable, those who save their lives will lose them. And those who lose their lives for my sake will then find it. I've been reading a book by Steve Carter called The Invitational Life. And in this book, he writes, A life based on the gospel of safety is sure to be a long and boring one. Life happens in the mess. Character is built during struggle. We get knocked down, only discover the strength that we have to rise again. 
when I learn, it, it, it's in the mess of life. When I, when I learn, it's because that I've taken the opportunity to say, I don't know everything. So I, I'm going to try to learn from someone else. There are times whenever I've tried to do that, that I've been led astray. And I feel embarrassed because I've allowed somebody else to, to guide me or to lead me. But I've also learned the way not to do something. I've also learned that even though I have fallen, even though that I may have messed up, that God still loves and cares for me. See, I think the key is is going farther in the verse 10 where Jesus is sending out the disciples and he reminds them to be wise as snakes and also to be innocent as doves. Sometimes it's when we're just innocent as doves, we just get ran over. So we must have that wisdom to understand what God is calling us to do. But if we just say that we're going to rely on our wisdom and we're not innocent as doves, then we have a tendency to run over people. I think the thing that holds us back from risking is this thing called fear. Fear holds us back from risking to what it is that God has called us to do. Heard a story about a five-year-old by the name of Johnny. Johnny went into his mom's kitchen, and mom was cooking supper. And she looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, I need you to go to the pantry and pull out a can of tomato soup. And Johnny looked at his mom and said, I don't want to do that. It, it's scary in the pantry. It's dark, and, and I can't find my way around in there. And the mom just looked at Johnny and smiled and says, Well, you know, Jesus will be with you, so you can go into the pantry. So Johnny gained up the strength, and he walked to the pantry door, and he slowly opened it up, and he looked inside. It was so dark. And he got ready to turn around, and then a light bulb came on in his mind, and he said, I know what I can do. So he cracked the door open a little bit more and he yelled, Hey, Jesus, if you're in there, can you bring me out the can of tomato soup? (laughs) See, the main problem that we have in risking is that when we try to tackle the situation on our own, we go astray. When we try to, to say that we have this and, and we got it all under our control, we mess up. When we say, well, I got this and I don't need any help, when we look at our appearances, when we look at those things that we have around us, it causes a trap because we start to compare. And we start to look at others around us and we say, well, I want that. Or, or I can't compare or I can't match up to that because I don't have enough. One of the most powerful passages that I go to time and time again is in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 34. Jesus tells us how to handle those times that we worry. <clears throat> he says, therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat 
Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So why, why borrow tomorrow's worries? Why borrow tomorrow's troubles? But see, that's not where the root of the problem is. The problem is that you're worried about what it is that I have and what it is that I can get. But Jesus tells us that first and foremost, we must seek first the kingdom of God. And we must seek first God's righteousness. I love invitations. I love offering people the chance to come and to experience a life with Christ. But I'll admit it's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to extend invitation to other people because there's that sense of rejection that could come. But I think the problem with that sense of rejection is that we are relying on us and we're not seeking what God is calling us to do. We are seeking ways so that we can make ourselves bigger and grander. But if we seek God in all that we do, if we seek God and and what God is calling our church, our community, our world to do, then we can experience that life. And we can experience that call to, to show up and be a part of what God is doing. We can receive that call to relate to our neighbors in a way that brings life and life abundantly. You know, that's why I love how this series ended on Communion Sunday, because here is the, the biggest invitation that we have received from our God. It's this invitation to come to this table to lay down our burdens, to allow the bread and the wine to remind us that God came as a human, which is probably the biggest risk that Jesus could have done, to to make himself vulnerable to us so that we may have an advocate Someone who can be there to understand what it means to live life as a human being. So that we may be made right with God because of Jesus' love for us. So as we prepare to receive this holy meal, let us go to God in prayer. Oh God, you've given us a grand invitation. That invitation is to, to live to love, and to serve. So as we prepare to receive this holy mystery, strengthen us so that we may risk, that we may risk all for you, so that others may see your love in us. 
and be connected to the one who, who came for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.